Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. For Inside Carolina, I'm Taylor Viplis, and before we get started today, I want to remind everyone about Johnny T-Shirt. They support Inside Carolina, so we want to support them. And during these times, especially fans should want to support them as well as they are a locally family owned business to Chapel Hill. Whether you're looking for what the athletes are wearing to work out in, trying to fix up that room this offseason, you watch the Tar Heels in or looking to get a Carolina face mask for when you're out and about Johnny T-shirt has you covered with any and everything UNC related. They got great customer service and don't forget inside Carolina premium subscribers save 10% off their orders. All right. Joining me today from the Arizona Diamondbacks, former UNC baseball star, Zach Gallon. Zach, thanks for joining me here today. I've got to start here as a noted uh, Philly, South Jersey guy. You're a 76ers fan. Have we seen the last of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid together, or are you still trusting the process? I'm still trusting the process. <laughs> and, and on another note, <laughs> stop fooling the people on Twitter that you're a Suns fan. You're a Knicks fan. <laughs> Get off the bandwagon. Have you have that you considered, some... with how close you are uh, from Chase Field to where the Suns play, have you considered joining up with the Suns? They got Cam Johnson. They got Devin Booker. They're a young squad. You've been saying trust the process for so long, and you've gotten maybe 10 playoff wins. Yeah, I mean, okay, first off, you're a Knicks <laughs> fan. Again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reiterate it. Uh, no, I mean, the, the Suns, you know, what they've been doing this year has been sick. Um, I, I like Booker, even when he was in Kentucky. I wish this, the Sixers would have taken a shot on him then. I mean, granted, he probably wasn't a high prospect, but I did like him th- uh, then. Uh, Cam Johnson actually threw out a first pitch last year at Chase Field that I caught. I don't think he realized that I was a, a UNC guy, but no. yeah, so. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, I'm not switching. I'm a Sixers fan. Um, but, you know, it's it'll be cool. You know, just, you know, hopefully they, they you know, make something come from, you know, what they had going on this year. Can you take us back to your recruitment process? Because I know you've mentioned before that North Carolina was your dream school. So was it a case of they were just always involved or it was maybe they came on late? How did that process kind of go about? Because I'm not sure the casual fans kind of know how baseball recruiting works because it's not as much in the spotlight. Yeah, so I I think it's changed since I was going through it. I think they had to modify some of the rules, um, you know, just with the popularity to travel ball and stuff like that. But back when I was going through it, it was July 1st, um, you, like your junior summer. So going into your senior year was the first time that college coaches could call you. Usually it would have to be, you know, they would contact your coach and then you would have to call them. So July 1st, I had three calls um, from Boston College, Monmouth, and Old Dominion. So, like, not a lot of calls. I was still, like, very under the radar. But UNC was still my dream school. And I'd known Coach Jackson, who's at Liberty now, and Coach Forbes since I was about 13 because they, they came and did a camp in New Jersey. 
So I've known them for a while. And I went and pitched in an event in Georgia through well, um, you know, had some numbers on the radar gun come up that coaches like, and, you know, they all kind of came at the same time, a bunch of big schools, um, North Carolina included. So when they came involved, I was just kind of like, not necessarily doing my due diligence to everyone else, yeah. but like Carolina is where I always wanted to go. So for me, it was just like, all right, let's just make sure I'm going to go see these other schools, make sure they don't have something that like totally blows me out of the water. And, you know, Carolina is where, where I went. Now that you're in the MLB, I'm curious of what your response is to this question. Like growing up, especially people growing up in our time frame, everybody wanted to be an MLB player growing up. But, you know, a lot of people like myself, we don't see that dream out. You are a rare exception to that case. Do you remember the first time thinking that this was actual, actually a real possibility that you could make it to the majors? Um, to be honest with you, I – I don't know. I, I guess it was just like this. I don't know. But as like a kid, I was like, I'm going to play in the big leagues. Like, and there was really like, granted, there were some times where I was like, oh, if I don't play in the big leagues, like I'd rather work in the front office and do something with baseball. But it was like 98% sure that I was like, I'm going to play in the big leagues. And I don't know if that was just like, you know, being naive or whatever it was. But I just, there, there was really never a time where like, I don't know, I guess I always had this quiet confidence in myself that I would, that I would play in the big leagues. So there was never really like a moment, um, but like certain things just started to fall into place. And like, you know, there's not necessarily like a checklist that you need to like check off that like shows that you're ready, but like those things started to happen. And then, you know, it's like, all right, well now it's like this is like, this could really happen. But yeah, there was never really a moment that I was like, oh, okay, this is it. It was just always like, you got, you know, you have what it takes and just keep doing what you got to do. I had, I know exactly what you're talking about. I had that quiet confidence too. And then ninth grade, I batted uh, under 200. My arm in center field was less than Johnny Damon's. And then the next year I was just a pinch runner. So I was quite, I was quickly put in my place, but um, the, I, I'm glad you came on this week because the biggest news from Carolina baseball this month was coach Fox retiring. What, was your relationship with coach Fox like when you were playing and now that you're in the pros and what was it like finding out that he would be retiring? Yeah. Um, you know, my time in Carolina was awesome. Uh, coach was, you know, great to me. I, I kind of, I don't know. I don't know if it was like this maturity or whatever it was, but I kind of under, I understood and grasped what he was getting at when you first come in and, you know, it's different for everybody. So I kind of understood that what his thing was like, listen, if, you, if you're out of the dog, if you're out of my doghouse, we're going to be fine. So my whole thing was like, don't be late, be on time, be respectful. Like those were the things that he just wanted to see. So I was like, all right, if I can just, you know, do those things, I'm going to be fine with coach. Um, so our relationship got stronger as the year went on or years went on, you know, he knew I was a competitor. So there's a lot of times where he had to kind of like pull the reins back and be like, Hey, like, relax like whatever um but yeah he was uh it was awesome and then you know just to see him you know retire is it's very well deserved i know he's got a couple grandbabies um his family's really close so you just wanted to spend some time with him and yeah he, he actually came to my debut last year which was really cool um i know he tries to come to a lot of them but like some of the time he's like the schedule doesn't work out so for him to be there i thought it was an awesome thing he was on the field um you know after the game but yeah it was it was super cool what can you tell UNC fans about Coach Forbes, who now takes over as the head coach, because he was your pitching coach for three years? 
yeah, Forbes is one of the best. He's like one of my favorite guys. I love going back to see Coach Forbes, you know, anytime I'm in Chapel Hill. It's just like a trip down memory lane. Um, granted, when I was there, our, our time wasn't as successful as, you know, in years past. But, it, you know, it's fun. It's it's like I was there yesterday when I see him. So it's always had a lot of good laughs. He always shoots me a nice text message whenever I throw well or something like that. So I told him when I texted him the other day, it was a long time coming, um, that he was very much deserving of, you know, that opportunity. And I think he was going to be great. When you came to Carolina your freshman year, I think your ERA was somewhere in like the mid fours. And then uh, your sophomore year, you kind of break out in your ERA sub three, like a 2.7, somewhere in that range. What was the biggest change you made from freshman to sophomore year? Or was it kind of just you kind of just growing up? <laughs> well, I always, people ask me, not as much now, but like back then when it was closer to that time, they're like, so what's the difference? And I was like, well, let me tell you how hard it is to pitch in the ACC with one pitch. <laughs> and they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I had, well, I like, I like to call it foolishly one and a half pitches. It was, I had my fastball and then it was a collection of maybe I had a curveball that day. Maybe I had a slider, maybe I had a change up, but it was like one pitch. And it was like, if I wasn't really locating that well, like it was tough. Um, so I went to the Cape that summer and learned Sass taught myself a slider cutter, what I call a cutter now. Um, you know, unbeknownst to me, the, the grip that the kid showed me wasn't even the grip, so I just kind of made it up. But, yeah, I came back with another pitch, um, another wrinkle for hitters to kind of have to respect. But, yeah, no, that freshman year was like, yeah, this is a little bit tough. I think I'm going to need another pitch to, to get some of these guys out. It's, uh, the competition's a little bit harder than high school. But, yeah, no, it was uh, just like you said, too, maturity. It was like, all right, now I understand, like, what it's like what they're asking of me, what I need to do. So, I mean, it's like anything. Once you, once you notice what you got going on, you can, you know, make small improvements. So from 11th grade, you're getting like three schools contacting you when the window opens and then you kind of develop into this uh, national pitcher of the year at Carolina to the point where you got drafted in the third round. And the signing bonus for around that slot I saw is around like $500,000. Do you have any memorable purchases after signing or what, what kind of happened there? Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm very, I would say frugal with my money. I'm I, like calculated, I guess you could say like, I make sure like one, if I'm buying anything, like I'm a bargain hunter. So like clothes or anything like that, I hammer TJ Maxx and Marshall's like, I'm all in on that. Um, Maybe get a sponsorship um, there. I don't know, but like that's just what I like. We were, my mom's like, like if if I disappear, like when I'm at home, she'd be like, let me guess, you were like TJ Maxx or something, just like browsing the racks, seeing what they got there. Um, no, I really didn't buy anything. Uh, I bought a I bought a car. That was that was you know that's a big purchase. But yeah, that was pretty much the only thing that I bought. I was driving like an O2 Nissan Maxima, so I was like, all right, I think I need I could I can upgrade a little bit. So I got a new car. Um, and then I bought some shoes, like some Jordans or whatever, but nothing really, you know, more than that. Speaking of the MLB draft, when guys like Jordan Adams or Kyler Murray get drafted and they're debating between two sports, the cons for baseball always seems to be that the minor leagues and how it's not as like glamorous as you might think for a professional athlete. Do you have any stories from your times in the minors that shows, you know, how much of a grind it really was? Um, <laughs> one story, no, not, not necessarily. Um, just the whole collection of the minor leagues is, is a grind. I mean, it's, 
it's one of those things like, all right, you, you get paid to do what you love, but you're getting paid less than minimum wage. So it's like, it, it just, it, it's like one of those things like you really got to love it. Like I, I like tip my hat to guys that like have to support a family, kids, you know, have been doing it a while and having a shot. And like, I mean, those guys are like unbelievable grinders. Like, so like for them to just keep at it, like, I think that's like the coolest thing, but yeah, there's, I mean, there's countless things that I could just think of, um, you know, taking a, a bus at 12 o'clock after the game, dr- driving from, I think we played in Round Rock, which is like right outside Austin. We took like an eight hour bus ride on like a regular coach bus. So like sleeping in the aisles, sleeping on the floor, whatever it is. And then we had to play that night in New Orleans. Like it's just not glamorous <laughs> at all. Like it's tough. Um, and then when you get the AAA, it's like I see I didn't mind it though I don't mind flying but when you get the AAA most teams fly like for the most part because like the travels you can't bus like it's way too long but the flights are at like four in the morning so it's like yeah you fly you don't have to ride on the bus but you're getting up at one in the morning <laughs> to get to the airport and then you're on Southwest like it's just yeah it's it's such a grind like it's unbelievable you know it just it it really makes you like when you get to the big leagues appreciate how much easier I guess you could say in quotations the travel is um you know on your body and stuff how did you find out you were being called up to the big leagues last year speaking of a triple a flight on a triple if I was on a triple a flight um we were playing in Albuquerque I think it was we we were leaving and we had a layover in like Denver or something like that so when we took off on the layover I was just watching a movie I forget what I was watching on Netflix and the manager came up and I thought he was going to comment about the movie that I was watching. So then he, he was like tapping on his shoulder and he was like, Hey, when you get off this plane, you're going to be a big leaguer. And I was like, what? So I like took my headphones. Out. I was like, wait, so one more time. He's like, yeah, like you're going to the big leagues after you get off this plane. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, sick. But I had to sit there for like an hour and like, my teammates like they were kind of figuring out what was going on because like a couple guys heard around and then like for like an hour hour and a half I had to wait until I because I get until I could tell my family <laughs> so by the time I got off the plane got home was like get yeah, my stuff packed it was probably like four in the morning east coast time and I called like I was just calling be like hey yeah and then everyone started finding out my family and they were calling me and like didn't get like an ounce of sleep that night it was just like <laughs> but yeah it was it was cool because at the time like I was thrown so well that I just was like man, like you always want, I don't know. I just kind of dreamt it as being like a surprise. So I'm thinking like, mm-hmm. all right, any day now, like I'm going to get called up. And like, there's anytime I get called in the manager's office, like I have a feeling this is what it's going to be about. So for it to be there was kind of cool. It was, it was a surprise. It caught me off guard and you know, it was awesome. You made your major league debut um, for the Marlins last year in St. Louis. What was that moment like? Because the Cardinals were the team you originally started with. Yeah, well, I mean, it goes way back further than that. I grew up a Cardinals fan. I was a huge Mark McGuire fan when I was younger. I wore 25 until I got to high school. Uh, well, actually, that's not true. But I wore 25 growing up, like, until I had to switch the number, you know, with another kid. But, yeah, I was a huge Mark McGuire fan, a Cardinals fan, got drafted by him. And, like I said, like, when I was younger, I had that quiet confidence. It's like, I'm going to play in the big leagues. I'm going to play for the Cardinals. Like, And I'm like, all right, now I'm checking off these boxes. Like, I really have a shot to do it. Um, so when I, when I got dragged to bottom, I'm like, all right, I'm going to play in Bush stadium one day. Like that's my goal. Um, I was wearing a different uniform, but yeah, it was cool. It was like, you know, it was 
when I first got there, when I showed up, it was like one of those like unbelievable. I couldn't like I just really couldn't. Yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was indescribable. Um, but yeah, just being a Cardinals fan like growing up, it was surreal. You mentioned having to call all your family, and you mentioned earlier that Coach Fox was at the game. How many people do you think you had in that stadium rooting for you that day? Oh, I think I know that I left. 20 I think I think I had 24 tickets or 25 I think I had 20 I think it was 25 tickets that I had left myself <laughs> and then probably an additional I think Andrew Miller left coach Fox coach Forbes and coach Jackson like a few tickets so that I have didn't have to like because you once you get to the biggest you have to pay for the tickets so yeah. like Usually your debut, they're like, yeah, you're playing for free today, kid. Like, <laughs> you know, so I left. Um, yeah, I, I think I left like 25 tickets. And then you made your major league debut and it cost you money. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> that it cost me money. And actually, when I played in D.C., when we played the Nationals a couple weeks later, that actually cost me more money. Because I think I left 50, I think I left 50 tickets in D.C., and I remember just like my mom being like, Hey, you know, we have all these people that we, you know, that, that want to come see you because it's close, like three hours from home yeah. and I'm pitching. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, just let me know how many people. And I'm thinking that it's not going to be that many. And then my mom gives me the final total and it's like 51. And I'm like, you, I can't ask the guy for 51 tickets. Like, this is ridiculous. So then I was like, Hey, listen, like I like, is there anyone I can get 51 tickets? He's like, um yeah I think they have extras but don't ask for this many again like you just can't <laughs> do it and I was like yeah I know like I'm not doing this again so yeah that was that was a I told my mom I was like listen if you guys want to sit together again just go on StubHub and buy like it's gonna be cheaper than like you guys paying me back or whatever it is I was just like yeah 51 tickets it was ridiculous and what sucks about that game was it got like there was a rain delay so I threw two innings and it was I sat too long and they, like it. everyone left because I didn't go back out yeah it was like just a disaster, but yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, that's the most tickets I ever left. Great. Go going along with that family aspect. How close would you say the UNC players are in professional baseball? Because you you did mention uh, Andrew Miller before. Yeah, um, the guys in pro ball, I would say fairly close, but at the same time, like I'm closer with a lot of guys who aren't in pro ball anymore. Um, just from, you know, being back for like our alumni, like the first pitch dinner, um, stuff like that. Like guys that, you know, have played and are retired now. Um, the guys who are playing now, it's tough. You don't really necessarily see them just because of the, I mean, that's like the one event when a lot of alumni are back. So like it's right before spring training. So the guys that are still playing, it's tough for them necessarily to get there. And if they have to go to spring training in Arizona, stuff like that. So, I mean, there's a handful of guys that I've met those throughout, you know, this time that are Carolina guys that I hadn't met on campus before, but yeah, I mean, just the whole alumni, you know, group of the last 10 or 15 years, there's like a pretty good amount of guys that come back for that dinner. And, you know, as an alumni, like it's, it's one of the cooler things that like when you're, it's your first year as alumni, you can go out with the, like the guys that have played before you and hear some of the stories. So yeah, it's, it's a pretty tight knit group, you know, from my experiences at least. Yeah, I saw Inside Carolina posted a, a graphic about a stat from uh, you this season. And, like, the first comment was Matt Harvey saying, attaboy. I, where was – I didn't even see that. Where was that at? <laughs> It was on uh, Inside Carolina's Instagram. Oh, I didn't even see that. Yeah, no, I 
Harvey, Harvey probably doesn't even remember meeting me, but I, I've met Harvey a couple of times. Um, once when he was back filming that E60, The Dark Knight. Um, I don't know if you, if you saw that one. But, yeah, he's he's been there a couple of times. Um, but there's just guys, like, it's super cool. Like, Andrew Miller, I met him for, like, a half a second when he came back the one fall. So, like, it, it's just cool that, like, you could be around those guys. Like, that's one of, like, I'm at least for me, like, one of the, you know, driving factors of, like, trying to become successful is, like, you get there and my camera's falling down. But you get there and it's, like, these guys are up on the wall and this big league years and you're, like, man, I want to be on the wall and, like, I'd like that for me so like to see them come back and just be like you know regular dudes is you know it's crazy i thought it was interesting hearing you say how you found out you got called up but how did you find out you were traded from st louis to miami and then later on from miami to arizona because two trades in basically yeah. less than two years now <laughs> yeah i've had what i joke around about i'm like how many people have been traded twice before they turn 23 <laughs> And I don't know that many. I'm sure there probably are more, but like, yeah, twice. And then in a matter of like two years, three years, whatever it was. Um, the first one was St. Louis to Miami. That was in the off season. Um, I, <laughs> ironically enough, with that story, I was down in Palm Beach at the Cardinal Spring Training like facility for like a winter workout um, kind of deal, and. I was down there and there was rumors that guys were getting traded and, you know, there was kind of like, you kind of knew who the big piece was going to be, which was, was Sandy Alcantara. Like everyone's like, all right, Sandy's probably going to be the guy, but they're talking about, you know, a couple other prospects going and me just being like, okay, like not even paying attention. Just be like, yeah, like they're trading somebody, not having any idea that I could be traded. I'm like, they just drafted me. Like there's no way they're going to trade me. Like no way. And I literally am on, I touched down. I had a connector flight in Charlotte touched like turn my phone on and as the wheels like hit the ground my phone starts like like I'm it's blown up with text messages I'm like this is strange (laughs) so before I even checked like I had a voicemail from my agent he's like hey give me a call back and I was like oh man I don't know what this is about so I checked Twitter before I finally back and my name was everywhere it's Zach Gallon in this trade in this trade and all these texts from these people and at the time people were like hey keep your head up like they thought I was disappointed like which at the time like I was like dang like I like really wanted to be like you know go get to the big leagues the Cardinals and you know but like the opportunity to play in Miami it was like you know it was a rebuilding franchise they were gonna give young guys a shot like it was just it it made a lot of sense I called everybody you know people were like what really like crazy um so it's kind of ironic that they literally traded me as I was flying home from the spring training facility um so I was a little bitter about that because it, you know, made a big stink about me coming down there for that and then said I wouldn't have to be there, and then they traded me. So I was, like, a little fired up about that whole thing, but that's the story for a different day. But the card, the Marlins one to the Diamondbacks was after I pitched, and oddly enough, I'm, my aunt's like, hey, like, tomorrow's the trade deadline. Do you think anything's going to happen? And I was like, I don't know. I, I can't see that there – she's like, well, you never know. Like, last time – and I'm like, yeah, you're right. But, like, you know, we'll see what happens. So I go to the field. I get there a little bit early because I pitched the night before. So I was going to get my work in. And I'm sitting there at my locker, like, getting changed. And the pitching coach comes up to me. He's like, hey, let me talk to you for a second. So I'm thinking, all right, we're going to go over last night's outing, which what you usually do, like, after you pitch, like, you go over and see the mistakes you made or the good pitches, whatever. They called me in the office 
and I blacked out for like two minutes. I was like, damn, they're sending me down. Like I just threw well, like they're making a move. Somebody's coming off the DL. Like they're going to, they're just the numbers are sending me down. So like the first two minutes of the conversation, I didn't even hear. I just was like thinking about how could they send me down? Like I'm just throwing so well. Like I, I was just like, so then I was like, all right, I got to tune back in. I got to see what's going on with this conversation. And then, so it goes on, you know, we're talking about whatever. And the GM, the Don Manning's manager, he was talking and then he was like, all right, I'm going to, you know, hand it over to the GM and tell you like what's going on. He's like, so we made a move for you. We, we traded you. I'm like, okay, nice. Like, and they're telling me like, we felt like, you know, this is a position we really needed to go and whatever. And I'm still sitting there. I'm like, okay like to where like they never told me where I was getting <laughs> traded to so I'm, I'm sitting there like great you traded me but like wh where am I going like what like who do I contact and it was kind of almost like a they'll contact you type of deal like it was it wasn't like we have this set up it was just like wait for them to contact you so I'm like uh all right so the first person I called was like uh one of my agents I was like hey I don't know if you heard but I got traded he's like what really and I was like yeah and I was like I don't know what to do. He's like, all right, well, sit tight. Like they're going to probably call you in the next 20 minutes or whatever it is. So, you know, sure enough, they did. And we figured out all the travel stuff and whatnot, but yeah, it was. And so the funny part of the story was my buddy was in town for the week in Miami and he's, he's, in, he's in my apartment and this was his last day here. And he texted me, he said, I'm watching ESPN. Did you really just get traded while you were at the field? And I was like, apparently so. So he helped me pack up my apartment, which is like a huge, like, I was like, cause I mean, I, I had a flight the next day in the next like 12 hours, whatever yeah. it was. So I had to get everything packed up, but yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> it was a whirlwind of a day. No, no doubt. eBay motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive. That's all your own. Look to your left, look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm trying to think how I would feel in those situations, and I'm wondering, when you're traded, does it ever, like they always say, like sports is a business, but does it ever feel personal? Like you now have something to prove against your old team or are you just kind of too focused on that next team, that next opportunity? Not really. Um, I, I feel like I, I watched Moneyball like when it came out at a, at a young age and kind of understood that the baseball is a business. So you really can't take things personal. Um, 
but at the same time, I'd be lying as a competitor if I didn't say there was like a little bit of vengeance. Um, anytime the, you know, can stick it to your, the team that got rid of you. Um, it's just, it's a weird, yeah, it's a weird dynamic, especially to be traded twice. Cause it's like, all right, the Marlins really wanted, well, I don't know about really, but like they wanted you the first time and then they didn't want you. So like, it's, it's like just an interesting dynamic, but yeah, it's, I mean, I don't know. I'm just, just focused on, you know, to me, it really doesn't matter who it is. Um, but yeah, there's, there might be like a little list that I have that I'm just writing down names that are. So when you guys get the full schedule back, maybe put a, a little asterisk next to those games. No, Hope not, like- not necessarily. <laughs> it, it's like, it's just like things in the back. It's like a bulletin board, like, you know, just motivational type yeah, of things. Yeah. They're like, all right, just remember they didn't want you. It's not like I'm going <laughs> to go out there and pitch against the Cardinals or the Marlins, like, and be all hyped up and, yeah. you know, one, it's just like, all right, just, you know, you know, we need some motivation. Just remember, you know, where you're at because of why you're there. You know what I mean? Heading into this season, what was it like for you with the pandemic and with the negotiations between the MLB and the Players Association where you didn't really know when and if you would even have a season at one point? Yeah, it was interesting. I got like a a little taste of what it's like to be retired, I I imagine. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you you really don't know. or we didn't know it's my family like do you know anything and after a while I was like if I know something I'm gonna tell you like I'll let you know I'm like because a lot of the stuff I'm finding out I'm finding out in the media just like everyone else so it was like one of those things I'm like I I really have nothing more for you like they're negotiating behind closed doors they're supposed to be but stuff's getting leaked to the media you know whatever it is but like I really don't know anything more than what they're leading on to be yeah it was it was interesting um you know, there was points in, you know, time where you're like, all right, we're going to play. We're going to get this thing done. And then it's like, well, now I don't know what we're going to do. Like, I was – like, JB, JB and I were actually thinking about going back to Carolina to, like, finish our – we both have a semester left. So, it was like, all right, we can go back and finish if we could do it. And then, you know, this we wound up thankfully getting the season starter because I don't know if I'm ready to go back to school just yet. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it was – played a lot of golf. And just, you know, played catch pretty much every day. I was just trying to stay in shape as, you know, best as possible. I was going to mention, I saw on Instagram, you were getting a lot of golf rounds in. How would you describe your game? <laughs> um, uh, not as good as I want it to be. <laughs> That's, I, like, I definitely made some major strides from where I was before quarantine, but not as, like, I like looking like I definitely like if I look back and did it on paper like yeah I definitely made some strides but it felt like me I got like a half a percent better than when I started so like it's for me it, but that's just the game of golf like it's just yeah. tough it's just the way it's gonna be but yeah I, w- I wish I was better than I am so that's how I'll put it since getting called up what would you say the best perk of being in the MLB has been in case you need some time to think maybe you got into a really nice restaurant met someone famous or maybe you got onto an exclusive golf course. Do you have anything now that I feel busted a little? Um, I have a lot. I have, I, I don't know about perk, but like experiences, um, definitely like some golf courses that I've gotten on or had the opportunity just maybe not, fulfill like not been able to do it but it's a thing that will be able to you know be accomplished in the off season or whatever it is that's definitely one of them 
Um, it's nice that the D-backs have some connections around here, um, some golf courses that hook us up. Um, let's see. The flying on a on like a chartered flight, like the big league flights, is is pretty cool. Um, I never did that. That's that's nice. Um, I see for me, like it's I don't know if it's a cliche answer, but you know, before this COVID outbreak, we were allowed to sit in the dugout and watch the games as opposed to like being in the stands or in the clubhouse. So for me, I just like being able to like sit a hundred feet away from a guy like Jacob deGrom or Clayton Kershaw and watch them pitch. Like I thought that was just like a super cool experience, you know, just somebody that loves pitching and just like, I'm like, yeah, that's sick. Like deGrom's pitching and I'm going to get to watch this guy. Like, you know what I mean? So, I mean, but the time that the, the, as the Sports Illustrated swimsuit models were on the field at Miami. That also wasn't a terrible perk either, but you know, <laughs> there's a bunch of things. I mean, but yeah, it's, it's the countless perks or experiences, whatever you want to call them. Um, one new rule for this year has been the universal DH. So I have to ask, do you miss batting at all? Um, no, I, I, I miss taking batting practice before like the game you know whatever get your get your hitting fix in but I don't miss having to get a bunt down in like a big situation yeah. nor do I miss getting pinch hit for like in the fifth inning because we need to like get a hit or something like that yeah. like however I do miss facing the other pitcher as opposed to another hitter but yeah no as a whole I'm okay with the DH like it is what it is I'd rather just you know maybe get an extra inning or two because my spot didn't come up in the lineup. My follow-up question to that is what's a worse feeling pitching with runners in scoring position or when you're coming up to bat with hitters in scoring position? Um, there's less pressure when you're hitting because it's like you're not really supposed to get a hit. <laughs> so it's like icing on the cake. If you do get a hit and you get an RBI, um, yeah, there's there's probably more pressure as a pitcher because it's like something that like you more likely than not cause the runners being in scoring, so it's your fault. And now it's like, all right, now it's your responsibility to minimize the damage as much as possible. If you strike out with runners scoring, it's like, yeah, they don't pay me to hit. Like, so that's it's definitely easier on the mind um, having to hit with runners in scoring position. Your last start against the Rockies, you set a National League record by allowing three or fewer runs in your first 19 starts. What's it like to think about that the league has been around since 1876 and nobody has been able to do what you've been able to do? I, it's kind of crazy. Um, I think they said that that record stood since like 1973 or something like that. So it's like a I don't what's that 47 years something like that 46 years um yeah it's it's kind of crazy it also it also highlights how much baseball loves their tradition and their records like there will be records for anything um but yeah no it's it's been cool uh I kind of had an idea coming into this season that like I was like in second place I think and I needed like three more or four more to break the record, three to tie. And I was looking at the schedule and I'm like, man, that's four tough offenses and one really tough place to pitch. So I was like, <laughs> all right, no pressure. But if you, if you do it, you earned it. Like, a, like, you know, 
some of those offenses were tough. Um, but yeah, it, it's cool just to have a to have a record. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I don't know, it's it's something that I never dreamed about. But you know, it's it's also a testament to the guys behind me. Like, there's definitely times where I've made pitches that they that they've made plays that have saved runs and you know stuff like that. So it's not just a complete just a me record, which is you know a lot, another thing that I love. It's like about preventing runs, which is a defensive you know team thing. Do a lot of baseball fans it, like might feel like you're coming out of nowhere because since your MLB debut, you're ninth among starting pitchers with a 2.8 ERA. Have you been surprised at all by your start and the success you've been, you've been able to have so early in your career? Um, my answer would be yes and no. Um, yes, because you you never know what's going to happen. Uh, like you know, a lot of those times those numbers are, are based on lucky breaks or whatever it might be, you know, you might have an inning that, you know, kills your ERA just because of a bad break, a bad hop, whatever it may be. Um, but at the same time, no, because like I knew how much work that I put in and like I always, like I was talking about before, like that quiet confidence, like I always had that confidence in myself that like I knew my stuff was good enough. I knew it was where I was, where I belonged. Um, but yeah, it was, it, my answer would be yes and no like just for for it to happen it's kind of surreal but at the same time it's like I, I knew that I was capable of it so I'm glad that it's it's happening and people are taking notice my last question for you is I was playing MLB the show earlier today you're an 82 what do we have to do to get that raised because I feel like you're approaching 90s right now 82 is sick. I think I started at like a 76 is from what my friends had told me. Did you not just hear my last stat? 2.8 ERA, ninth. Ninth among starting pitchers since you're (laughs) Okay, I'm not going to be great. At 82? Of course. (laughs) Well, I I don't know how they do the the, – I don't know how they do that. But for me, anything in the 80s was like sick. Like I'll take that. that. Like I'm I'm down. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you always want to be higher than you are. But I'm not going to sneeze at an 82 by any means. I mean – but yeah, no, I, I even thought when the rankings first came out and I was like a 76 or whatever it was, same thing. My friend's like, oh, you should be higher. I was like, you realize that I'm in MLB the show with a 76. Like, I think that's cool in and of itself. So anything with an eight in front of it, even better. But yeah, no, it's, uh, I don't know. It's just keep pitching well and I guess the rankings go up. I'll uh, I'll take the campaign up for myself on social media. Raise yeah, gallons overall. That's Hashtag fine. I will not, I will not be starting that. that. That can be all you. I will not be self-campaigning for that. All right, man. That's all I have for you today. But I just wanted to say thanks for hopping on here, talking with me, and just keep trusting the process over there. Oh, yeah. Trust the process. Thanks, brother. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. 
So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 